in sports, if you, uh, for example, baseball, if you want to get a hit, you have to swing the bat, right? Duh. Did you know that? You actually have to take a cut. You might get on base by getting hit by the ball or getting four, four balls thrown and you walk to first base. But you're definitely not going to get a hit if you don't swing the bat. In basketball, it's March Madness. If you don't take a shot, you're not going to score a point. You're just going to get a lot of passes and assists. But if you want to score, you've got to take a shot. Um, you know, in, in life, if anything that... that, that it's called initiative, when we actually do what we're supposed to do. How many great ideas have gone by the wayside because someone didn't take the initiative to take that great idea and, and make it into something that's profitable for the world? So that's called initiative. Every time we do something, we're initiating action in our life. Most importantly, and this is where I'm going to go this morning, is how many opportunities possibly have we missed on a daily, weekly basis opportunities to influence the world for Jesus, influence the world around us because we lacked initiative. There's a lot of reasons we lack initiative, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, but we're concluding today our series on leadership. Leadership is, and today we're going to conclude with the word initiative. Scripture has much to say about us initiating um, Ministry for Jesus, serving Jesus by being initiators. We started the series talking about inadequacy. That all of us are inadequate and we're weak and we need God's power in us to do what he's called us to do. And then we talked about the fact that leadership ultimately is influence. So you think to yourself, well, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are because you all, everybody in this room has the ability to influence. You are influencing somebody. Therefore, that makes you a leader. We talked about integrity. The importance of being the same person at home, at work, at church, and in the com- community. And then last week you were blessed with Mark McIntosh talked about inspiration. That part of leadership is inspiring people to, to live greater lives for Jesus. And then today, initiative. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. It's one of the first scriptures I ever memorized. It's something that just jumped out at me. That I should never be lacking in zeal, but keep my spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Keep that passion for Jesus stirred up. Have you ever wondered why some people are more passionate about Jesus? They seem closer to Jesus than others? If you were to analyze that person's life, analyze their walk... Nine times out of ten, that person that is more passionate about Jesus and more open about their walk is initiating conversation, initiating ministry about Jesus, feel, feeling the, the, not a bur- just the burden, but the privilege of sharing Jesus, sharing his love, and serving the Lord. Leaders are initiators. I like what Rick Warren said. He said, God calls everybody to use their gifts and passion the passion they have, but not everyone picks up the phone. <laughs> you know, God's calling all of us, hey, use your gifts, use your passion. And we look at it, eh, maybe not. I'll get to that later. Put, him, put God on, on a call waiting or he'll leave a voicemail. It doesn't work like that. You figured that out. God is going to continue to nudge. He's going to continue to work in our lives. The message today, I believe, is, is challenging. It's going to challenge some of you, maybe a little bit out of, 
apathy in your life. I pray it would. All of us need, to, we're not going to be fulfilled in living the kind of life that God wants us to live until we're pushing through that apathy, pushing through the things that hold us back from living the kind of life that God wants us to live. Write this down. Initiative is beliefs, convictions, and vision and action. That's a definition of initiative. It's, I live out what I say I believe. I live out what I say I'm convinced of. It's vision is, is the ability to see the future beforehand. Vision is the conviction of what could and should be. Therefore, when I see a, a problem or I see a need, I initiate because of that vision. So it's beliefs, convictions, and vision in action. James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, he said this. And the book of James is all about initiative. He says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. It's a challenging, challenging verse of scripture there. In other words, actions speak louder than words. Actions speak louder than words. A couple biblical examples that um, on your notes that you can go home and take a look at, at biblical characters who took initiative in ministry. One that stood out to me is, is always the story of Jonathan in 1 Samuel 14. Jonathan was, was best friends with David, son of King Saul. One day in 1 Samuel, they, they, he found himself stuck in a ravine. So the enemies of Israel, the Philistines, were up on two sides of this ravine. He was down in a cliff with his armor bearer, his right-hand man. And Jonathan looked at his armor bearer and he was like, I'm not going to just sit here and, and wait for them to go away. You know, let's go up and let's, let's go slay these Philistines. And he said this, he said, perhaps the Lord is with us. That always stood out to me that he said perhaps. He didn't have it written in the sky that it was all going to go perfect for him and an angel of the Lord appear or anything like that. In his faith, he said, I'm going to initiate this. And they went up and they wiped out the, the enemies of Israel and went on to, have, to celebrate a great victory. He initiated it. And there's many others, David and Goliath, Nehemiah, Esther, Peter walking on water, um, Paul initiating ministry. In Athens. I want to show you a clip from a movie, We Are Marshall. Who's seen the movie, We Are Marshall? It, we Are Marshall is a true story about the universe, Marshall University football team back in like 71, in the early 70s. After their last game of the season, their plane crashed on their way home to West Virginia. That's where Marshall University is. All the coaches died. All the players died. And... It's a moving movie based upon that and what happened and how does a town, how does a university recover from such tragedy. So there was a handful of players who were injured who didn't travel with the team. And there was some freshmen back in this time era. You could not play if you were a freshman. If it was your first year of college, you couldn't play until you had been there one year. So the few of these players are like, Man, they went to the dean of the school who was going to shut down the football program. And they said, we got to play. If we're going to heal as a community, we got to play. And so they petitioned the NCAA to be able to play freshmen. And so they had to, that means you're fresh out of high school. They're going to have a, a load of freshmen playing. But they wanted to play so bad. And so the dean starts calling all these coaches. Would you like to, this opportunity? Alumni, former players, and everybody's no, 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 no way. They were all avoiding this. But then he gets a phone call from the character played by Matthew McConaughey in the movie about, I want 
to uh, apply for being your coach. And so the dean drives all the way to where he's at. He had a good job coaching at another school. And uh, watch this interaction between uh, the coach and the dean. And think of this idea of initiative, actions, belief, convictions in, um, in action. Jack, there, there is one thing I, I need to know. Um, and please excuse me if I seem blunt. You are the first person I've interviewed who is not an alumnus. Mm-hmm. And, well, since you called us, uh, I have to ask what your angle is, Jack. You've got a great setup here. You have no ties to Marshall. Why do you want this job? I mean, who in their right mind would volunteer? For hey, son, son, don't put that in your mouth. No, put it down. That's right. It's not an outrageous question, I think. What's he going to do? Can to put it in his pants? I bet he puts it in his pants. Son, don't, don't put that in your pants. Sandy! I'm sorry, excuse me. Well, I was just wondering uh, if you had given this any thought at all uh, before you asked me to drive 200 miles out here to see you. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Well, all right, then. Um, I have a long ride home, and... Uh, I should be getting on with it. Uh, you uh, thank your wife for the uh, lovely dinner. Are you sure? Yes, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Say, Don. You want to know why I picked up the phone? Is that it? Frankly, I, I do. It's not going to be complicated. Jack, I've had four months of complicated. I just need honest. When I heard about what had happened, your situation, the only thing I could think about was the four of them. I thought about how much they mean to me. About how bad it would hurt if, if I was to lose them. Marshall um, and you know it would have probably been a lot easier for that coach to keep the comforts of the job that he had keep a simple life and not reach out to do something radical or great but he did for a great cause we're going to go ahead and look at uh, the enemies of initiative but uh, here's a story first relating to initiative 
There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. But everybody thought that anybody could do it, so nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. You ever felt like that? Maybe in the workplace, or certainly happens in the church sometimes. Um, there's probably lots of excuses not to do whatever it is you're called to do and lead the way that you've been called to lead. But let's highlight the three main culprits of initiating leadership. The first culprit or enemy of initiative is comfort and convenience. Proverbs 6, 10 through 11 says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Well, who is this scripture referring to? Well, if you back up a couple verses to uh, verse 6, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. And then a couple later in verse 9, it says, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? So that scripture in 10 and 11 refers to the sluggard or the lazy person. So why are comfort and convenience dangerous enemies of initiative? Well, first, comfort by definition is a state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint. How many of us want a little freedom from pain or constraint in our lives? Amen? Well, the fact is is that that actually is the counterpart to obedience, See, our flesh naturally seeks ease and freedom from restraint. We're born that way. We come out of the womb, and we don't want to have anything holding us back from what we want or feel we need. And that produces a level of comfort inherently. See, God's Word tells us that we're to resist temptations of the flesh. Did you all know that? Romans 8.13 says, For you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And thus comfort is the counterpart to God's will for our lives. In other words, when we let our flesh take charge, it will always counteract God's desire for us and for our lives. But fortunately, and here's some good news, uh, God's plan for our lives gives us a good and righteous sort of freedom and ease from pain and constraint. So when it's under God's ways and God's will, we actually get a righteous sort of freedom from pain and restraint. So when you pray for freedom from pain and restraint, don't stop. Because God's way and God's timing will surely be that for us. The second uh, part of that is convenience. See, convenience removes the need to rely on God to provide instead of ourselves. How is that? Well, see, when life becomes more convenient, we lose sight of the fact that God is the one who will meet our needs. Right? Not any person or not ourselves. It's God who will meet our needs. The more convenient life is, the less need there is to work hard or for hard work. Let's be honest. If anybody of you have ever shared the gospel, it's hard work, right? I mean, it's a little awkward. It can be nerve-wracking. It's, it's not an easy and natural thing to do, but it's one of the most noble things we could ever do. One example is this term, the Christian bubble. Anybody ever heard that term, terminology, the Christian bubble? Okay. Well, it sort of refers to a sort of comfort, convenient Christian life where we stay in our little our workplace, we go to our church on Sundays, we go home, be with our family, but we never really get challenged outside of that. And it's a very dangerous place to be because um, sometimes we need to be challenged to get outside of our own comforts and convenience so that we can touch other people's lives. 
God will call us to be outside of that Christian bubble to do his work. So in Mark 10, 25, it says, why is it easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom? Well, there's a common misbelief that money will meet all of our needs. And, and we all in here hopefully know that that is not the case. It's God that meets our needs. Second enemy of initiative would be laziness. We read in Proverbs 20, verse 4, says, The sluggard does not plow in season, so at the harvest they look and they find nothing. See, work is good. <laughs> work is good. Some of you may disagree with that, but when you look at Scripture, especially starting back in Genesis, Adam and Eve worked in the garden. God didn't create the Garden of Eden and then crops and fruits and everything just sprouted up. Adam and Eve actually had to sow and reap in their harvest. So God created work. It was a very good thing. And so uh, God intended us for us to work and for us to produce a harvest or fruit of our labors, right? Rest is another good thing. Uh, in fact, it is actually a gift and a command from God to rest. Look at Leviticus 23.3. But see, laziness causes blindness, okay? Being idle causes us not to be able to see poverty coming. And that's what these scriptures are talking about. When we're not active in harvesting souls for Christ, what happens? The enemy gains a stronghold. And there's no lives that are changed and no eternal salvation being harvested. So it's important that we're not lazy. The third enemy of initiative is the fear of failure. Matthew 25, 14 through 30 is the parable of the talents. How many have heard the parable of the talents before? Okay. Well, I'll share with you briefly. Uh, the, the centerpiece of this is, is part of that scripture, which says, I, the, the, well, let me back up a little bit. There's three servants, okay, in the parable of the talents, and the master of these servants leaves, and he imparts to each of them some of his talents. And by the way, in today's monetary units, that's about $300,000 is the equivalent to one talent. So imagine your boss going away for a time and said, oh, by the way, here's 300000 or or 600000 or here's a, a million and a half. Go ahead and steward over it, right? That's a, that's a big deal. So the heart of this scripture is, it says here, the third servant, he says, I knew that you were a hard man, so I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talents, your gold, in the ground. See, they were all entrusted while their master was away to steward over these talents. Two of them did great. Two of them actually took the, the, the talents as stewards, and they multiplied them. But the one servant, he actually buried it in the ground. We've got to remember that we're all stu- stewards over God's resources. Amen? God's given us time, talents, and treasures to steward over, and we're supposed to be fruitful with them and not just um, piddle them away. Why did that one servant do so poorly, do you think? It was fear, right? It was fear over a God, and it says that, God, you are a a God who reaps where you do not sow. So he was actually afraid, and that's why he buried the talents in the ground. Certainly something I think many of us can relate to. So what is fear anyway? What is fear? Here's an acronym that some of you may have heard before. False emotions appearing real. You ever heard that acronym for fear? False emotions appearing real. See, we often, we put God in a box, and we go from thinking, God God couldn't bring us out of our circumstances to then thinking he wouldn't lead us to prosperity. I'm not talking about just financial prosperity. I'm talking about shalom, Old Testament peace, the fruits, the promised land, right? Just like uh, Moses going into the promised land. That fear 
causes an idle mindset in which we feel we're inadequate. Scott spoke a few weeks ago on inadequacy. So I challenge you to ask yourselves today, what God-given treasure or ability are you burying in the ground out of fear? All of us have to some point. We have some time, talent, or treasure, treasure that God's given us that we're burying in the ground because of fear. So let's meditate on that this week. And uh, Scott's going to go ahead and take it from here and show us how we can develop an instinct of initiative. Thank you, Brian. Give it up for Brian. Instinct is something that becomes second nature when it's instinctual. How do we do that? People who are initiators do three things. First of all, they put God's word into practice. You can write that down. They put God's word into practice. We need our minds sharpened by the Bible. We need our perspectives shaped by the Bible. We need our actions directed by the Bible, by his word. And James again says this. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That pretty point blank, isn't it? Don't deceive yourselves in just listening to it. It doesn't become real to you until you actually apply it to your life. Until we do it, I can say that I believe that God knows best in every area of life, but it's those parts that I obey and actually apply to my life where I really do believe that. I mean, that, that's just the, the honest truth. Um, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Now again, that doesn't mean perfection. We, that's why we started this series off with we're all weak and we're all going to fail. But are we pursuing that type of life that is obedience to Jesus because we believe he knows best. That he actually knows what's best for our life. And that we want to honor him. Not just out of, out of duty and do's and don'ts but because we believe he knows what's best. Here's the truth. You and I, and I include myself in, in this. You and I only really believe the parts of the Bible that we practice and obey. We really only believe those parts. Let me ask you a question. Trite question, but trite questions are sometimes good. Do you believe that this book is really God's word? Do you really believe that he inspired it, that uh, it's, it's his instruction manual for us to find Christ, to know what our lives are about, to know what our purpose is. Do you, do you believe that? If you say no today, or you're unsure, I would love to sit down and talk with you and just tell you why I believe personally that this really is God's authoritative, inspired word. We believe that at Novation Church. This is God's word, and it guides our lives if you say, yes, I believe that this is, is God's word, then why would, why would I not read it and apply it to every area of my life and do what it says? I think sometimes people are intimidated by the Bible. It seems like it's, it's too big to understand or whatever. Don't let that be something that holds you back. You've got to start somewhere in everything. And you begin to learn and grow. That's why we preach the word every Sunday. That's why there's classes. That's why there's home group. That's why we're going to take time to go through the book of Acts together. It's always centered around the Bible. And start somewhere. Sometimes we're just lazy. 
But listen, there, is, there are so many opportunities for us to hear and read the Word of God with smartphones, version app, etc., etc. The Word of God is at a, at, a, at a touch of a finger right now for all of us. So would anybody in this room, if you were going to build a house, if you were going to build a house, would you have a, a, a builder who didn't read the plans, didn't read the architecture, didn't read the blueprints? Would anybody have a builder do that? Or maybe even you had a builder who said, yeah, I'll read it. You know what, I think I'm going to do something else, but thanks for letting me build your house. Well, the point on that is, is none of us would. And if we believe that this is God's blueprint for our life, let's read it and let's apply it and strive to, to do what he says for us to do. People who initiate, people who are leaders, people who initiate ministry read the word and they ask this question. When you read a passage from the Bible, don't just read it to read it. You ask yourself the question, so what? Every time you read the Bible, so what? What am I supposed to do with what I just read? What is behavior is the word calling me to change? What attitude, what promise is there to hold on to? Where, what is it asking me to have hope? Where is God asking me to obey? Always ask that question when you read the word. So what? It's an important question to ask. What am I supposed to do with this? Some of us in this room honestly need to stop searching for God's perfect will and do what you know to do already to do today. You already know the word. So do what you know to do today and let God sort out the rest for tomorrow. Sometimes we, we wait around and we don't initiate anything because we're waiting for this big, huge deal or we're waiting for the writing in the sky to happen. Do what you know to do today. Do what you know this book already teaches you to do and you'll know as you follow on. We had uh, people go on our Dominican Republic mission trip at the beginning of the year. And there were several folks who were stepping out for the first time to initiate ministry, stepping outside of their comfort zone. And I guarantee you, some of them would say, you know, um, they were almost at the last minute. Some people were like, I don't think I'm even going to go. I'm just scared. This is way outside of my comfort zone. You were to ask that person right now, if they were glad they went, they would tell you, yes, and you need to go every time we do a mission trip. So it's important that we do what the word says. Second thing is this. People who are initiators put God's agenda first. They put God's agenda first. The quickest way to an unsatisfying life, I can give you the remedy to the quickest way to an unsatisfying, unfulfilled life, is to say, God, here's my plans. Will you bless them? God, here's what I want to do with my life. Will you bless it? That's going to lead you to an unsatisfying life because you're the one in charge. You're the one calling the shots. But when you come before God, I don't care how old you are or what season of life you find yourself in. This is true for every person in this room. God, I give you my life. I surrender to you my plans, my will, because I want your will. You know what's best for my life. And God, I give it over to you. I want to put your agenda for my life. God, I give you a blank piece of paper and say, here's my life. Write on it what you want to do. Because you truly know what's best. And God's, God's will is that people come to, Jesus, come to God through Jesus. That's his will. None of us have to wonder if that's God's will or not. His will is that broken people come and find hope in him the way many of us in this room have found hope. 
Initiators realize that there are instruments in the hands of God to, to, to initiate love and hope and, and Jesus in people's life. They, they realize they're the hands and feet of Jesus, that he commissioned us. Listen, if you're not in that place today where that sounds like that's only for a select few, stop listening to that line of thinking. Don't buy that. He's called every one of us. And you're not going to live the kind of life he wants you to live until you say yes to that. What is God's agenda? Here's what James says. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Now we have many people in Novation that have taken adoption seriously and adopting orphans and and the initiative of it. Chad and Tammy, I think you're in here today. They just got back from the Congo to go see their little Jenny and, and I'm sure they would... Continue, appreciate your prayers continually for them. They're waiting for a breakthrough. The Pavliches are waiting for a breakthrough. We've had other families adopt. And, and, yet, and don't, they're initiating that, putting God's agenda first. But not everyone's going to adopt in here. But there are people in distress and broken all around us every single day that you can, you can find. Uh, Mother Teresa said this. She said, if you can't feed a thousand people, feed one. I like that. If you can't feed a thousand people, feed one. We kind of buy into this mentality that if, if we can't help everybody, then we don't help anybody. And I'm not talking down. To, I'm talking to myself. I, I do that. We pass by people thinking, how can I really help? You ever hear the story, you probably have, of the guy was walking down the beach one day. And he, uh, he saw this man taking the, there was like millions of starfish that had washed up on the, onto the beach. And this guy was, bloop, you know, one by one, throwing starfish back into the ocean. And this guy walks up to him and he says, do you really think you're going to make a difference? Look at, look at the millions and millions of starfish. And he picked up one and he went, bloop, made a difference for that one. <laughs> that guy's happy that I threw him back in the ocean. So yeah, you're not going to make a difference for every person, but you, you can for one. Um, I've invited Patrick to come out here. This is Patrick Cavanaugh. Will you give it up for Patrick? Patrick had a pretty cool story um, that happened last fall. I even had to kind of remind him of this. But we uh, don't get jealous. But he invited Steve Craig and I to go to the Bronco game with him and Ethan, his son. And we got to go out on the field before the game and hold the flag and see how big these guys are. And it was a kick. It was a riot. But when we showed up to Patrick's house to go to the game, which he had invited us to, he's never late for a Bronco game, right? You're a true Bronco fan. You're never late. He invited us to come to the game, and he was a little bit late. Me and Steve were kind of wondering what's going on, and he showed up all quick and told us this story. Uh, Does this thing work? All right. (laughs) But uh, it. I was telling Scott before, I hope the mic doesn't add five pounds. But, uh, um, but I, I remember it was, uh, we were on a schedule. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the, the, the flag ceremony for a Bronco game, but, um, you know, we were chosen to do it. And, and my son, uh, crazy excited. Uh, it was after church, so we we're on a, a pretty tight schedule. But uh, I remember thinking, I want to get one of those GoPros that I could wear on my, on my hat to be able to record this, uh, this opportunity. And uh, so we're, we're leaving church and we're hustling and, um, we're going to, to Walmart near our house. And so, I don't know if you, you know, with your kids, um, they never walk fast enough when you're in a hurry. So, remember we parked the car, uh, driving like a madman, 
and uh, I'm thinking like, all right, we've, we've got to get back to the house. You know, Scott and Steve are going to be there. So I'm pushing Ethan as we, we go into Walmart and we go to the back and we get this GoPro. And on our way out, um, again, you know, Ethan, we got to go. We got to go. And uh, I remember leaving, leaving Walmart and uh, I looked over to, to my right and there was a young man that had been worked over. Um, you know, he, uh, his face was just somebody, you know, beat him up pretty good. And so um, just a lot of uh, just scabs and without getting graphic, he, uh, he was in tough shape and, and I, 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 he caught my eye and, but I'm thinking, all right, we got to go. We got to go. Like, you know, they're going to be at the, at the house here soon. So um, we're, uh, we're going back to the, the car and the whole time I'm, I'm thinking, man, you, you know, I really should probably help that kid. But, and I'm, I'm realizing now when I tell this story, but I'm arguing with God. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm in a hurry. Like we've, you know, we've had this thing planned for a week, you know, another 10 steps. Um, Ethan, we gotta, we gotta go. Come on, let's hurry up. And, um, no, God, I, I, it's, you know, there, we, we gotta go to this thing. We've, we're on a schedule. Like it's, it's important. And, uh, we finally get to the, the car, and, and Ethan gets on the other side, and he opens the door, and I'm, I'm opening the door. I'm putting the, the, the bag in the car, and we just we kind of looked at each other, and, and uh, Ethan goes, we're supposed to help that guy, Dad. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, well, we got to run back. And so we slam the car door, and, and again, I've got, you know, Ethan, my hand on the back of Ethan's back, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm hustling. I'm like, Ethan, we, we got to go. Let's, let's, let's go see what this gentleman needs. So we, uh, we come up to him, and, and the guy was kind of looking down uh, with his back against the, the wall, but I was just like, you know, hey, um, can I help you? And, uh, and he just kind of looked at me with, with, I mean, this guy was, was tired, um, and he told me that the night before, he had gotten beat up, and he had gone to the emergency room that morning, and um, he was there for a while, but uh, they couldn't help him because he didn't have insurance. And so uh, I just remember like, well, you know, I'm not a doctor or anything, but, you know, my, my background is in sports medicine. I was like, can I take a look at you real quick? Because I was, I mean, this guy, his face was swollen and he had some deep abrasions and, and uh, I just remember thinking, this, this guy's face is going to get infected. And so um, I had an opportunity to sit down and I just kind of looked at him. I was like, you know, I'm going to go get some stuff for you. Um, you know, just wait right here. So Ethan and I, again, thinking, man, God, this better be a big kingdom later on. Like, <laughs> But uh, no, um, but I just remember thinking, all right, you know, let's, Let's go in, and I got you know, rubber gloves and just some stuff for, for first aid, and I came back out, and you know, I'm talking to him, um, but I'm, I'm debriding his face and, and, uh, and cleaning out the wounds, and um, you know, I just remember thinking, all right, you know, hope this doesn't take much longer, but it, it, there was a lot, of, uh, a lot of cleaning to do, but long story short, it was um, at the end, you know, I was able to give him you know, the Neosporin and, and gauze and uh, kind of walk him through every, every three to four hours what he needed to do so that his face would, uh, would have the best chance of healing. Um, and then at the end, like, you know, I handed all that stuff to him. Um, you know, Ethan and I, we, we prayed for him right there and just kind of let him know, you know, you're not alone. God loves you. You know, I don't know why this happened, but, um, you know, we, you know, just kind of, you know, prayed over him and for his safety and for healing. And, uh, one of the coolest moments was, you know, walking back to the car and I was like, ah, we're already late. So, um, we, uh, we get there and Ethan kind of looks up and he's like, did good dad. And so, I was, uh, I was like, all right, well, as long as you think so, let's hope Scott thinks so too. But uh, <laughs> no, it, uh, and, and so I was actually more excited to tell that story. And I was like, you know, if we're late, we're late. Um, I was like, it was that moment where I felt, you know, like, hey, I, I did all right. So thanks for helping me remind me of that story. Yeah.
Let me conclude with this. People that initiate, we, if we're going to do this and we're going to be people who take advantage of the opportunities around us, don't put off what you should do today. Don't put it off anymore. There's things you know you should do today. Tomorrow could be too late. James says, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Life is brief. He's not saying life is not important. He's saying in the time span of eternity to eternity, it's, it's a little blip on the radar there. Ralph Stair said, anything worth doing is worth doing now. How true is that? And then an unknown source said, success comes to the person who does today what they were thinking about doing t- tomorrow. A couple little concluding thoughts here. It's never too late until it's too late. I know that's Deep and profound, but it's true. It's never too late. It's like Yogi Berra, right? It ain't over till it's over, but that's truth. For some in here, it's going to start by you putting your life into God's hands. It's going to start by you building your life on Jesus. Jesus said you can build your life on the rock or the sand. Anything other than him is sand. But when you build your life on him and his purposes and his truth, you're building your life on an unshakable foundation. Here's another thought. If not you, then who? If not now, then when? That Marshall coach. You know, what would have happened if he said, you know, someone else will do it. Someone else will get to that. Here's my question for you. Where are you saying in your life right now, I'm going to let someone else do that. I'll let someone else get to that. Where are you saying, you know what, I'll change later. I just, I'm not ready to change. I'm not ready to fully surrender every part of my life. To God, my actions, my words, my attitudes. Just, I'll change later. If you're a young person in this room, it's easy to think, I'll get serious about God when I'm older. When I have kids and I'm married and it's really easy to follow Jesus then. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's following Jesus Jesus at whatever age you are. Don't put it off. How about this? What relationship needs your attention? What relationship needs your initiative? Who needs you to initiate relationship with them? Who's a broken person around you? Who needs your attention? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Is it somebody that needs your attention? Who needs your forgiveness? You're willing to forgive that person that's hurt you. What someday will you start today? Hey, someday I'll get around to it. Do it today. And then lastly, where is God calling you to step out in faith? Where's he calling you to risk? Where's he calling you into action? Let me give you a simple thing. For some of you, this is simple. For some of you, this might be a challenge. But everybody has a little Easter invite for next week. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt, a pancake breakfast before service. Who is an unchurched person that you could have the courage to invite that maybe you've been putting off? A neighbor a coworker, a family member that you could say, I'd like to invite. But maybe not just to service, because inviting someone to church is inviting them to the front door of the community. You know, we're a community of Christ followers together in the service, coming together like this. It's the front door. Maybe you could invite somebody to be in a home group with you. and Say, I'd like to participate during this time in a home group. Or read the book of Acts with me. Who needs that? Who will you step out and do that? God is calling all of us to participate in that, okay? Pray about it. Do that this week. Stand to your feet. I would like to 
pray a blessing as we go. Father, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for your word. We want to be people who are not lacking in zeal, but keep our spiritual fervor serving you. So God, challenge us in the areas of our lives and our hearts where where we're lacking that zeal, we're lacking passion, we're lacking um, the straight-up obedience to you, God. I thank you, Lord, that you have uh, our best interest at heart always, and what you tell us to do and not to do is for our good and for your glory. So, Lord, we love you. Uh, We pray that you would use each one of us as instruments in your hands. Be your hands and feet into this broken world, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.